All right. All right. So let's kick off week one of Jesus of Nazareth. You know, when we think about Christ, we think about someone who is larger than life. Even unbelievers can can agree that that uh, there's something special about Jesus. Um, he, he's built different. Someone say built different. He, he built different. I mean, when you get up from the grave, like you, you built different, like no, <laughs> no one built built like you. You built different, you know, and you know. And so um, to, to, for me in my personal time studying Christ, um, it, it can be very tough. To, to, to not study Christ, but to present Christ. Because we can talk about Jesus for the rest of the Sundays of our lives. And so I always like to go into my study with a spirit to simplify things, to help people understand the word of God. And how many of us know that what the Bible says is the most important thing? It's, it's not, you know, what my grandma has to say or what auntie or mom and dad. And I'm sure... They say a lot of great things about Jesus, but we want to know what the, the word of God has to say about, about Christ. And so this, this series is all about the life of Jesus, and then we're going to explore a few miracles, and we're going to take it all the way into Easter. How many people excited for Highlight Easter? Highlight Easter. It's going to be a great time. And no one knows this but me. Now I'm about to tell everyone. We're actually going to go ahead and throw in a good, a good Friday service. Come on now. Good Friday service. We're going to throw that out there, and it's going to be a great time. We're going to have some extended worship. I want to do communion and, and some extended prayer time, and I'll have a message on a Good Friday and uh, just the most powerful time of the year. They also say if you want to invite someone to church, your chances of getting them to church increase by 80%. So may this be the season where you're you're pursuing coworkers and, and family members and and you're getting them to the house of the Lord. And so um, let's talk about Jesus. All right. So I want to talk about the prophecies around Jesus Christ. Someone say prophecy. prophecy. The prophecies. Or if you want a definition, uh, I want to encourage you to jot this down. The word prophecy simply means foretelling or what is to come. What is to come. Um. The scripture is also prophecy. So the word of God is also prophecy. And some things have happened in scripture. Some things have yet to happen uh, from the word of God. But to simply put it, prophecy is foretelling or what is to come. And so many years before the birth of Christ, there were a lot of prophecies surrounding his birth, his, his life, even the resurrection, right? I mean, even before the brother was born, there were prophets hundreds of years before his birth talking about his resurrection. And um, whenever we think about Jesus, I, I think we, hear me out, our generation needs to start to think about the historical Christ. Because if we're not careful, we can hear about Jesus, we can talk about Jesus, we can debate about Jesus, we can even read the Bible about Jesus, but we have to understand that the Bible points to history, right? This is a historical book. It's not just um, legend or it's not just sayings, you know, ancient wisdom, but th this book actually happened. And so there are over 350 prophecies of Jesus in the Old Testament. 
So the old, the old Testament, this was before Christ. Over 350 foretellings of the life of Jesus Christ. And uh, we can talk about like his conception. Isaiah, 700 years before the life of Christ, talked about his conception, where he says this in Isaiah chapter 7. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And then we can go to, to 600 years before the birth of Christ, where Micah talks about the birthplace of Jesus. So Christ was born in Bethlehem, but he was raised in Nazareth. But Micah, 600 years before the birth of Christ, talks about Bethlehem. But, oh, Bethlehem are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Here it is. Yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. So this is God through Micah. So we'll come from Bethlehem on God's behalf, right? The Messiah, the, the anointed one. And then the beating of Jesus Christ. Isaiah was under the anointing of God that he, he, he prophesied about the beating of Christ before the cross. Someone say details. How about that? That is that's 700 years before the beating of Jesus. And, and he says this, but he was pierced for our rebellion crushed for our sins he was beaten so we could be whole he was whipped so we could be healed 700 years he talks about the flogging of christ before he went to the cross so from the old testament covers from genesis to malachi and it covers about 4,000 years of prophecy of christ about so somewhere around 3,700 years or so foretellings of Jesus Christ. So hence, we come to Christmas every year and we celebrate the birth of our Savior. And I love what John said about Jesus Christ. John was a follower of Christ and he wrote these words to open up his book in the New Testament. It says this here, John chapter one, it says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. So God created me through Christ. God created you through Christ. God created everything that we see through Jesus, and it exists through Jesus. If Christ were done with the world, the world would be done. If Christ were to hold his breath right now, we would all stop breathing. We are sustained through Christ. Whether you believe in him or not, we are all created through Christ. That's why when you get to know Christ, you'll start to know who you are, right? And so it's, it's important that your relationship with Christ becomes the principal thing in your life. Not, not church, not religion, not highlight church, not mama's church, but your relationship with Jesus. And it says this here, um, the word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Right now, there's a sense in which things are are becoming darker. But what I love about the promise of Scripture is it says that the light shines in the darkness. What a great time the church is in right now to shine and to stand up for truth and, and to have passion and a fire for God. 
and to stand up for the word of God, right? What a, what a great time to shine. And it says that the darkness can never extinguish it. So uh, as it seems like the darkness is gaining momentum and evil is prevailing, what the Bible says is that the darkness cannot extinguish this light. It says this here, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who was the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world. I love this. He created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people. That's, that's you and I. That's the children, the children of Israel. And it says this here, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human, made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the father's one and only son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was talking about when I said someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the unique one who is himself God is near to the father's heart. He has revealed God to us. Can we put our hands together for the reading of the word of the Lord? And so today I want to bring us a message entitled God revealed. God revealed. And so simply put, go ahead and write this down. When we see Jesus, we see God. When we see Jesus, we see, we see the character of God. When, when you read about the healing and the teaching and how he moved and walking on water and feeding the 20,000 and the 15,000, and that's, that's the character of God. That, that's the goodness of God. That's how God is. We no longer have to guess our debate about who or how God is. Jesus shows us the goodness of God, the love of God. And so what I want to do is I want to I pull out two characteristics of God through the life of Jesus. Next week, we'll deal with a miracle. But today, I just want to lay a foundation, and, and we'll keep moving forward. Number one, I love this. Jesus accepts all people. Jesus accepts all people. You know, I, I, I was raised in the church, I was raised in a missionary Baptist church off of Bruton Boulevard, right across the street from First Baptist Orlando. And uh, I always wanted to visit First Baptist Orlando, but I never got across the fence. And so, um, so it, it, it was funny. On Bruton Boulevard, it was uh, Richmond Heights Elementary. That was my school. And then it was like St. Mark's, St. John's. <laughs> and then it was my church, right, um, and, and then across the street, you know, so the school and all these churches, but First Baptist took up the entire block. Like it, it, it was huge and a great, great church. But I, I was raised in church and, um, but over the years I, I did my dirt. You know, I, 
I had my fair share of secrets and and uh, lives and uh, lies and a lifestyle outside of faith. And then when I when I went to college, Tallahassee, Florida, Florida and Florida and M University, uh, I came to Christ at the age of 19 after a Bible study in our English building. It's like six people at this Bible study. And uh, at the end of it, I told the pastor, I think I'm ready. I, my heart, my heart's open. I, I think I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. And so we prayed this prayer of salvation. And at the end of that prayer, I, I came out of the room just bawling like a baby. And what I didn't know then was that I, I had received the gift of the Holy Spirit. That when you come to the Lord, you receive the gift of God in your heart. And the Bible says that your spirit comes alive. And so I cried all the way to the car. My best friend was like, yeah, you, you did it. You know, I said, no, man, I can't control this. I don't know what's going on. And so I'm just crying like a baby. I get in my car and I say a prayer. And then I just told the Lord, like, I'm, I'm serious, God. Like, I dedicate my life to you. I don't know what this looks like, but I give you my life today. And I, so I started to read the scripture. And I recognized that um, over the years of being raised in church and feeling far from God, you know, anyone, anyone grew up in the church, but you, you felt far from the Lord. Like you're just kind of putting on face like you had to go, but you felt far from God. But as I read the scripture, I, I found out that Jesus really liked sinners. Like he, he hung around. He hung around a lot of people that we wouldn't hang. I, you know, I'll be honest. I wouldn't hang around with. Right. I highly doubt. Right. And we're not going to change light groups or anything. But I, I just don't know if Jesus would show up to our light groups. Because he was so focused on reaching the loss, right? He was so focused on reaching people who felt marginalized and pushed to the fringes of, of society and pushed, pushed to the fringes of where God was that, that he, he was, once again, he was built different. And so the Bible says things like he hung out with prostitutes. He hung out with tax collectors. I mean, they, they called a woman in adultery. I mean, they called her in the act of adultery. And I always ask, where was the man at? Right. They caught the woman. They threw her down. They shamed her. And he met her where she was. Right. And, and, and he lifted her up. But but what I've come to find out is that Jesus accepts all people. He accepts all people. And the Bible teaches that Jesus was a friend of of sinners. And it says this here. We're going to go to Mark chapter two. It says this here. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home. Levi was a tax collector. Tax collectors were liars. They were thieves. Society hated them. But it says later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors. Someone say many. And other, this word is interesting to me, disreputable sinners. I'm like, Mark, what, why would you use such a, such a big word, disreputable sinners? It says this here, there were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? They don't go to the temple. They don't go to synagogue. They don't pray. They don't tithe. They don't serve. Why does he spend so much time with such scum? Verse 17 says this, when Jesus heard this, he told them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think, someone say think, think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. 
So I just want to encourage you, if you're not the normal church goer, hey, if you hop in and out, if you're in here twice a year, let me tell you, God, God still loves you. God still cares. God's still moving. God is still on your side. God has not forgotten about you. Whether you put something in the plate or not, whether you give or not, serve or not, whether you show up to highlight the city week or not, God still loves you. Whether you're struggling with an addiction that no one knows about, God still loves you. God still accepts you. God still wants you. Because when we come to church, we all come into the house of God carrying all kinds of shame, all kinds of brokenness. And, and, and some of us would admit, like, it's a miracle that I got here this morning. Right? I won't have you raise your hand, but it, it was a miracle. Some of, y'all, some of y'all said, man, if I walk in, it's going to burn down. Right? We, we've all heard people say that. Like, it's going to catch fire. Like, lightning's going to strike it. And I, I just want to ask you, did it happen? When it walked in, did, did, did it catch fire? Because, because God was waiting on you to come into the house of the Lord. God had something here for you today. And what he's saying is that he's not mad at you. And he wants to actually, we, we just read the text. He wants to spend time with you. He wants, to, he wants to be with you. So I just want to encourage you, here's the thought. Your mistakes and bad choices don't disqualify you from God's goodness. Your mistakes, your bad choices, your dysfunction, your secrets don't disqualify you. As a matter of fact, God is drawn to it, right? I, um, I have two boys. I have a 14-year-old and an 8-year-old. And every single day, they, they do something I don't agree with. They say something, they spill some juice, they stain the carpet. You know, you go off on vacation, I'm going to look at the camera because Jay might be watching. You go off on vacation, and you come back, and there's chocolate stains on your pillow. On your pillow. Because we know the difference in our, in our children. The baby is going to tell, Mom, Dad, I'm sorry, I did it. The oldest one, he ain't going to tell. He give you that face. Parents, y'all know that face. That, that face, when they become teenagers, they're, huh? If you don't straighten that face up, tell the truth. I always say, like my, like my grandma used to say, tell the truth, shame the devil. Right? But they always doing stuff that you don't agree with. And, but, man, there's just, I was, on, I was driving to church this morning. And I, I just left the house, y'all. You know, it's so quiet. And because and, Judah has a little fever right now, and, and so they're resting at home and all that. It's so quiet. And I'm like, yeah, I'm getting out. Yeah. I backed out, backed up the hill. I'm driving. Two minutes after I leave, I get a text message from Judah. Good morning, guys. He was up the whole time. Right, but the cuteness and how it filled my heart. Good morning, Daddy. I love you. I miss you. And so you're thinking about the stains and the mess and the words, and it wipes it all out. It doesn't even matter because you love them and you want to be with them and you miss them. And that's what the Lord says about you. That don't even matter 
That's why I sent my son so that we could have a relationship. And he accepts all people. And I want to encourage you with this thought, too, because some of us, you feel like you got to clean yourself up a little bit. You got to stop smoking, stop doing this, stop doing that. I want to encourage you with this thought. Come to God with all your mess. Come to God with, with all your mess, and he will do the work of transformation. Don't wait to clean yourself up. I mean, that's the whole point of Jesus coming. You can't. You can't. But if you bring it to him, the Holy Spirit will start that work of transformation. Number two, Jesus provides every need. Every need. This is the nature of the Father. There will be seasons in life where there are good seasons. We're winning decisively. We're unstoppable. We got the business deal. We, we got the degree. We got the job. We got the promotion. We found the boo. We bought the house. That seasons of we're, we're unstoppable. But then there are seasons, if you've lived long enough, where nothing seems to work. There are seasons where um, we need healing. We need comfort. We need a second chance. There are seasons where we need provision. And if you're anything like me, when you're in need, the first person you go to is self. You look within. I can do this. I can handle this. I can overcome this. And then when self doesn't work, you look at your resources. I need my connections and, and my money and, and, and my, I can will my influence to make this happen. But, but I've come to find something out. When you read this saying, guys, when you really get into it, when you really get into it and, and you start to read it, you come to discover that there are times and seasons in your life where God intentionally puts you into situations where no matter who you are, what you have, he causes you to totally and completely depend on him. And what he's trying to remind us of is that we are not him. And that whatever we lack he wants to continually encourage us that he has everything that we need. And not just everything that we need, but he has everything that we, we want. And, and so when, when we come to our end, I, th I think we call out all, all kinds of names. We, we call out the name of Joshua. I call out the name of my wife. I call out the name of Highlight Church. I call out the name of my bank account. I call out the name of this and that, only to continue to run into a wall. So Jesus says, I have a little kingdom secret for you. I got, I, I got a little kingdom secret for you. Jesus says, ask in my name. And so he did this teaching at length a little bit before he went to the cross. How many of you know that the last thing a person says before they die is the most important thing? Right? So he, he, he gives this teaching, almost three chapters in the book of John, on, on how to connect with the Holy Spirit and how to seek God and how to ask in his name. Because obviously what you're doing is not working. And what I'm doing is not working. So he says, how about try this out? John 14 verse 13. But you can ask anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Someone say anything. anything. All right, and it says this here, but if you remain, John 15, but if you remain in me, 
and my words remain in you, you can ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. Someone say anything. And then I love this one, John 16. Jesus is so funny. Someone say funny, Jesus. He says, you haven't done this one before. Time out. John 14, you've already said ask anything in your name. John 15, you just said ask anything in your name. I think we get the point. Jesus says, you don't get the point. They say when you communicate, because <laughs> I study communication. It's so funny. It's, they say when you communicate, they say, as a communicator, here it is, because Jesus understood this, Devin, that as a communicator, when you're about tired of saying it, that's when people start to listen. So Jesus understands, even as I'm preaching right now, like 78% of y'all are like at lunchtime, right? You know what I mean? Like about 22% of y'all are really getting this message. And as a result, you're going to be blessed by it. So, so they say that when you get tired, that's when people start to listen. So Jesus is emphatic about it. Ask in my name, one chapter. Ask in my name, one chapter. He said this. <laughs> Read it with me again. You haven't done this before. They're like, Jesus, we heard you. You haven't done this before. Or if you have, you've stopped doing it. And that's for my believers. There was a point in your faith where you were. But then you started asking in Joshua's name, in Highlight's name, in the bank account. He says, you haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. Ask using my name. Why is this important? It's important because the Bible teaches that God gave Jesus the name above every other name, right? So what does that mean? That means I go to the doctor. I've been feeling something in my body. I get blood work. I get a scan and it comes back cancer. Cancer is a name. But there's a higher name. All right. There's a higher name. Right? Yeah, you know, I check my bank account. I go on my Wells Fargo account. I go on my Bank of America app. I go on a, and, and I see I see negative. I see it in the red, right? I see broke. But there's a, a higher name, right? And his name is Jesus. I, I, I struggle and, and, and stress, and, and I've been diagnosed with depression and anxiety and all. But there's a higher name, and that name is Jesus. And what he's saying is, is that if you would ask me, I'll begin to work it out. Heaven will begin to move. Things will begin to shift. Things will begin to happen. If you would stop fighting in your marriage, and if you would get in the bedroom, and if she would go to the living room, and if y'all would start to pray for each other in my name, I'll start to deal with her. I'll start to deal with him. You need to get out of the way and call on my name. And I've also learned this, that when, it, when, when, when God, oh, my God, when it seems like you're waiting on God to move, and you're like, Pastor, but the 21-day fast, I did it. I even fasted in February for my, my future husband. I, I did it. I, I did another 21 days because we was in a relationship series. And I, I, did, I did my own special fast. Church didn't know about it. I did my own fast. 
That's why I was hungry at Light Group, because I was fasting <laughs> for my future spouse. I did it. Now, now I'm doing the March Madness seven-day fast. Now I'm going to do an Easter fast and a Mayflowers fast. But he ain't doing it. I'm a preacher. I can go. I, I, can, I can talk. I talk for a living. I'm doing all them fasts. I just want to encourage you. Don't stop asking. He said, you haven't done this before. Something you're missing in the text is he's saying, you haven't pressed in this long before. So the reason I'm saying it so many times is because I'm setting the pace and the frequency and the distance for which you should be calling on my name. So until you see something happen, call on my name. Call on my name. Call on my name. I believe that, um, like, what's going on right now in Kentucky, and it is still going, it hasn't fizzled out yet, that the, the revival that has sparked up in Asbury is beginning to spread across America here and there. And it's because for years, people have been praying for revival, and they haven't stopped praying for revival. I'm personally standing in things in my life that, that I've been praying for for 11 and 12 years. Jesus is saying, you have not done this before. You've done 21 days, but you've never done 42. And I'm not talking about a fast. I'm, I'm, you'll, you'll probably die. I'm talking, about, <laughs> I'm talking about calling my name. You know what I mean? You haven't done this before. I, I remember when this church was at one experience, one service. There were days, y'all, where I'm like, I quit. I quit. I don't want to do this no more. No, no one is out there. I'm, I'm looking at seats. There's an ocean of seats in this big behind cafeteria off a of Shady Grove Road. I'm like, I quit. Do people even want to come to church? Do people even love God? I had every reason to quit. And Jesus said, you have not done this before. Keep calling my name. Keep building. Keep showing up. Keep preaching. Keep praying. Keep reading. Keep fasting. Keep praising. Keep believing. You have not done this before. Call my name. I'll bring them. I'll change them. I'll shift them. I'll heal them. You just do what it is I've called you to do. Call my name. Woo! You have not done this before. That's a whole message. About to write a book. You have not done this before. Shirts, books, everything. Y'all know how I like to do. We go get shirts, books, invite cards. Like that freaky church card next February. Shirts, books, everything. I did the freaky church fast. Pastor, it didn't work. <laughs> Don't do that fast, please. Here's my question to you. What do you need today? What do you need today? Man, that just hit me. Keep building it. I just preached myself up. Yeah, I just preached myself up a little bit. What do you need today? I want to encourage you with this. God has an abundant supply of joy, 
of peace. God has solutions to your problems. He has it. But, but have you slowed down in the middle of the week and just called his name and said, Jesus, show me the way. Philippians 4.19 says this, in this same God who takes care of me, I love this, Paul is telling the church in Philippi, will supply, someone say supply, all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Everything you need is in Christ. This is why you must stay rooted in Christ. This is the language he used in John 15. If you would remain in me, And if my word would remain in you, anything you need, you can ask for, and I will do. It's in Jesus. Someone say in Jesus. It's not in the stock market. It's not in the economy. It's not in the connection. It's not in that job. It's in Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage you with a few scriptures to remind yourself that God is a provider throughout the week. I've encouraged myself with these five scriptures for years. And so I'm going to give you the scripture reference, but the statement is a summary of the scripture. You go home and read the verse, but you got to declare these things over your life. Because when Jesus was walking from village to village, from town to town, he was addressing people's needs. Lord, will you heal me? Are you willing to heal me? Yes, I am willing. Lord, the, the people are hungry, and if we send them home, they're going to pass out along the way. Well, well, what do you have? Bring it to me. Then he multiplied it, and he fed the multitudes. Send, send message to Jesus. Lazarus is sick, and he may die soon. Jesus shows up four days later, and he raises Lazarus from the grave. He was always meeting needs, and he hasn't stopped meeting needs. And what the devil will tell you is, don't bother God. God's not interested. Or he'll say, God can't do that. Don't even think for a moment that you have the right to dream that way or to believe that. But we have a kingdom inheritance. And not only do we have an inheritance in Christ, but we also have instructions from the Lord. And those instructions unlock heaven over our lives. So if you have a need, God is, not only is God ready to meet it, but, but he can meet it. Some of you are meeting job situations and financial situations and health situations, and God is postured to meet that need. But you got to declare these things over your life so that heaven can begin to move. So I want to encourage you with these, these faith truths. Number one, Jesus gives me wisdom to thrive. Jesus gives me wisdom to thrive. Matthew 7, 24. Build your life on the word of God. And the Bible says that rain, wind, it's all going to come. The, 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 the trials of life, the circumstances. But if you build your life on the wisdom of Jesus, you'll thrive. Number two, speak this over your life. Jesus is the way to the Father. So when I connect with Jesus in prayer... I'm touching the Lord. I'm, I'm touching my Father. I'm, I'm communing with the Father. When I pray in Jesus' name, when I, when I stop in the middle of traffic and I just call on his name, I touch my Father. 
He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way to the Father. Number three, Jesus is the author of my abundant future. Jesus is the author of my abundant future. I have an abundant future. So I won't stop dreaming. I, w- I won't stop striving. I, I won't stop moving forward. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to keep my passion. I'm going to move forward because there's an abundant future, and he's the author of it. And the devil cannot take my future away. There's an abundant future. He is the author of it. The next one here, I declare this over my life. Nothing can separate me from the love of Jesus. Romans 8, 39. Nothing can separate me from the love of Jesus. And then this is the best one of them all. God can take all four of those first ones away. But this is the best one. Here it is. I will be with Jesus forever in the new heaven and new earth. Heaven is my home. Speak that over your life. You're going to heaven one day. Revelations 21 says there's going to be no tears, no pain, no hurt. We're going to dwell with the Father forever and forever and forever. You got you to speak that over your life so you can keep an eternal perspective over your life. So your heart would be encouraged as you go through what it is that you're going through. God is so good. God is so faithful. God is a provider. Can we put our hands together for the word of God?